Switching churches and transitioning from one to the next is one of the most uncomfortable things as a believer, as a Christian, possible. And yet, it feels like nobody actually talks about how to do it right, when to do it, how do you know when that's the thing. We see church hoppers on one extreme, which are people that never settle and never pick a church, and then people who've been planted for their whole lives. And maybe you fall somewhere in the middle where you're like, well, I don't know that this is my forever church, but I love it. But I definitely never want to be a church hopper. So today's episode is for all of you normal people who kind of fall in that middle category and have kind of wondered like, hey, 2020 brought a lot of change. My church, my church shut down and I didn't have church for a year and it left me suddenly looking for a new church. Or, you know, any variety of transitions, even like when you move, when you change jobs, maybe you move to the whole other side of town and it's too far of a drive. If you have ever asked yourself, how do I know when it's time to change churches? How do I do it right? How do I make sure everyone around me is not looking down on me for doing this wrong? This episode is for you. Let's jump in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. You guys know I love to pull you into my episodes however I can, so here's some quick shout outs to a couple of you who have gone online and been so sweet to leave reviews. SpyMill123 says, I love every episode. My favorites have been the ones on hearing God's voice. Now this was left much earlier in the year, and so I think they're referring to the two episodes I did, um, maybe around 12 or 13, episode 12 or 13, somewhere in the teens, maybe 17, 18, somewhere around there. And um, those are actually some of my top, top listened to episodes. So you are not alone. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review, letting me know that you loved those. Um, also, Mrs. Augie, who her name is Samantha, her uh, review says, such a great listen. Listening to these podcasts really makes me feel like I'm sitting in the same room and talking to a friend. That's my favorite. There's so much wisdom and encouragement here. I'm always looking forward to listening to the next one. Thank you, Samantha. And listen, Samantha is not only leaving, uh, being supportive by listening to the podcast regularly and sharing on social media. She left a review and she's a supporter of the podcast. So Samantha, you are killing it. And I just, I pray constantly that those of you who are supportive of the podcast in all the various ways will receive so much more even from what I put on here, because my goal is to minister to y'all. And it just excites me to see you pulling from what you can. So thank you, Samantha, for that, and um, let's jump into the bulk of this episode. 2020, the pandemic, brought so much change and transition to all of our lives on every front, and one of those aspects of transition and change was church life. None of us expected to have to stay home and watch online to participate in church fellowship. In fact, it was painful and difficult for a lot of people. But it also brought up some really poignant issues that we've all at some point had to cross this bridge of, do I need to find a new church? Is this the church I still need to be at? How do I know when it's time to transition? I don't want to be a church hopper, but am I supposed to be here forever? It brought up a lot of questions and I've had more conversations with people this last year 
since COVID and since church churches were shut down and things changed so drastically, um, it kind of brought out the best in churches and it brought out the worst. And it kind of made people really reevaluate, is this really where I want to stay? Because of that, it has brought up a lot of conversations with friends about how to know when to do this and how to do it well. So I wanted to hit on this today because I feel like it's very, very important. Both, I've both been a church leader for over 23 years. I've been a pastor for over 16, um, but I've been in church since I was three. So I've seen both sides of the equation for so long, and I have learned quite a number of things, both scripturally and just from life experience in this position that I feel like I can really contribute to this episode and make it rich and make it helpful. So firstly, though, because this is focused on church transition and when it's time to leave your church, I, I want to lay an important foundation, which is the importance of being at a church. <laughs> 2020 caused so many doors to close and so many people to suddenly feel like they didn't have church. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed for two months that I didn't have to wake up early and get pretty on Sunday morning. I woke up at 9.45 and I made my coffee and in my pajamas sat on the couch with the kids to do worship in church. It was kind of fabulous. Not going to lie. I loved it. But I did realize at some point that if I continued to take the lazy, comfortable route for church, it would hurt us spiritually in the long run. As a kid... I learned the importance of church because of how diligent my parents were to take us with no excuses. You only miss church if you were bleeding, dying, or vomiting. (laughs) That was it. And so it taught me that church was important. But I also have a number of friends who, because of all these transitions and because of some church hurts and disappointments and whatever, they've begun to discuss, like, why do we need church? Like, I'm really put off by that system is what they're saying. I'm put off by the system of it's all built around a man, which I I agree with. Um, But the pendulum is kind of going the other direction where they're like, maybe we don't need church at all. Maybe we can just have church in the house. We are the church. So aren't we enough, you know, and all this. So it's brought up some good conversations and they're still hashing it out um, for themselves. But I wanted to just kind of bring into this episode, if you've ever wondered those things, why do we even need to be at church? If I can watch online, what's the big deal? Let me share with you some things. First of all, if my kids, if if your kid was born and they basically were like, okay, mom and dad, I needed you to become a human. I have been born. I do not need a family now. I'm good. You're human. I'm human. I don't want this household to be built around one person or two people. So I'm just going to go be human by myself. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. (laughs) like ridiculous but that's kind of what we do within the church we're like you're the church I'm the church we're all the church I don't want this to be built around one person so I'm gonna go be the church by myself in my house bye-bye and if our kids did that we would all realize just how reckless and foolish and impossible that is I mean like Hi, kid, you don't even know how to walk straight yet. (laughs) You don't know how to feed yourself. You don't know good from bad. You don't know right from wrong. All those things. Clearly, parents and the family structure is in place to nurture, to support, to help, to cover, to heal, to restore. All the things that we need to grow into a healthy individual, that's what the family is for. You guys, the church is modeled after the family. That's what the church is for. The church is not meant to be 
a um, cult where we all serve and honor one human person? Uh, no. The church is meant to be a family. Now, just like a family, there are authority figures. Mom and dad have authority. As siblings grow up, older siblings might be given authority over younger siblings while they babysit, right? There's authority that lives within the family structure. Same thing with the church. There's authority that lives there, and God is the one who set it in place. God is called pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and apostles to be, they're called the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4. They were Christ's gifts to the church. Christ was so kind and said, listen, you need an older sibling, someone who I'm going to give authority and give the responsibility of growing through hardship and learning these things so they can train you as their younger sibling how to do it as well, how to develop all your spiritual senses so you're mature and able to be a fully complete mature Christian person. Someone's got to lead, right? And so that's what Christ did. He gave us older siblings. I think of my older sibling, my older sister, Crystal. She taught me how to put on makeup. She taught me how to use tampons. She taught me how to talk to boys. She taught me how to not talk to boys. She taught me a lot of things that my mom didn't teach me, not because she didn't think of it, but just because I went to my sister with those questions. And there's just such a valuable role, both for the pastor's and the church leaders, the staff, but also your fellow believers who are more seasoned than you, more mature than you, and can disciple you and help you, okay? So if that helps kind of disarm and de-churchify <laughs> um, the role of the church and help us see the practical application and the wisdom and the gift that the church is, that's what I'm hoping for. But getting into practical, real quick, practically speaking, being in a church does offer covering and spiritual protection, in a different way. If if I'm having a house church and we're all just coming together and we're fellowshipping, that's good, but we don't have the dynamic of authority necessarily. We have mutual respect, but it's not authority. When you're in a church house and someone has been designated and ordained to be the authority in that house, there is a spiritual, um, what's it called? Like a a waterfall, if you will, effect from the top down. There is a spiritual covering that happens like with mom and dad. The favor that's on my life and my husband's life, my kids get the benefit from simply because they have our name and they live under our authority. Here's an example. Our church in 2017, my husband and I were not senior pastors, but we were on pastoral staff and we'd been given authority in the house. Um, We all flooded. There was like 30, 40 families in our church that flooded. Well, after spending some time in praying, I said, you know, Lord, I need you to bless the families in our church. And I'm asking you for serious financial blessings. I don't want little, little tiny breakthrough. I want big breakthrough for every single one of these families. I want money in each of these people's hands. I said that directly. The next day, Good Morning America called our church and they said, hey, you guys have been a blessing in your community. We want to bless your church. Every family in your church, please create a list and give us their contact information. We want to give each of them a $2,000 gift card to Lowe's. And we're doing a pop-up shop in Houston. Anything they can fit in their car, they can take for free. You guys, the people in our church, those they don't even know I prayed that. They don't even know they reaped the benefit of that. Those people, I prayed that prayer as an authority in the church and the Lord heard it. And because they were in our church under our authority, they reaped the benefit of it. 
the families of the church next door, I'm sure that, I mean, God blessed all the churches. God took care of all the people. But what I'm saying for my analogy, the people at the next church over, they didn't get that exact blessing that I prayed for, for our people. You know what I mean? So the fact that they were under our leadership and our authority, even to some measure, we weren't even the senior pastors, but the spiritual influence created a blessing and a covering for them. That is one of the benefits of being in a church. Spiritual covering, spiritual protection, spiritual blessing. Also, there's impartation that happens. Prophet Phil came in to our church recently. He's a friend of ours. You guys have heard me talk about him. Um, And Prophet Phil carries such a profound prophetic anointing. That's the office he walks in. God has anointed him for that. When he came in the house, he operated powerfully, lots of miracles, lots of signs and wonders, all the things. Well, when he left town, the next Sunday, our leadership and, and some people in the church, there were so many prophetic words that came forward during worship that was so different than normal, so much more. He left a spiritual prophetic climate behind because of the anointing that's on his life. He left it. He, he left an impartation to us because we were all hungry for what was on his life. So there's an impartation. When you hunger and draw from the people that are your leadership, you receive literally a spiritual impartation from them. It is, it's, it's tangible almost. It's, it's there. And so that's another benefit of being under authority. You do receive impartation from people you fellowship with, of course. But when you're under authority, it's just, it's a different measure. It's, it's even more so. Another thing is the diversity of a larger group helps us to see our blind spots. When you're a small group and there's very few people, we can all become climatized to the same blind spots or the same issues. That's how you get cults. Cults that end up with really weird thinking because they have kind of an isolated mentality and it's just a small little crew. They can end up with serious blind spots. Whereas when you're in a larger community, you have such a diversity of ways of thinking and um, perspectives that it actually creates good accountability for you. It creates kind of a safety net of balance because someone else can come along and say, ah, that's kind of strange. That doesn't look normal. Let's go look at the Bible about that or whatever. And the diversity creates accountability. So when you're in a larger church, it can help you Actually, as you brush up against different people, have conversations with different people, you are literally enriched in large and small ways by the variety of people that you come in connection with. Scripturally, we see the large church and the small church in play in Acts 2, which is kind of our picture of the New Testament church. Acts 2.46, it says that they met daily at the temple, at the temple courts, which was their church setting, the temple courts to hear the teaching of the word, and they met in houses for the breaking of bread and fellowship. And so the temple courts had its place for the teaching of the word and fellowship, I think is what it says, and then in the houses for breaking of bread and more intimate connection. And so there is a significant importance for both. Um, Psalms 92, 13, my last thought on why this is important. The Bible says he who is planted in the house of God, of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Now planted in the house of the Lord, the house of the Lord is church, the house of the Lord. We're going to go to the house of the Lord and worship, right? That's church planted in the house of the Lord means you have deep roots. You're planted. You're not a, um, what's it called when they, 
transpose you from one place to another. When you're planted, your roots have taken root and you're receiving nutrients from that place, right? Planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. The courts meaning the judgment courts. If you want to flourish when you stand before the Lord one day in his judgment courts, as we all will, being planted in the house of the Lord is essential to that. Why? Because in the house of the Lord, as you've seen, there's covering and protection to protect you from the wicked one. There's impartation that comes from your more more mature seasoned believers to help you mature in your faith. And it helps you see your blind spots mature in your character. And so you literally grow up and mature by being planted in the church family. Another benefit of being planted is just like in family, you know that conflict is inevitable, misunderstandings are inevitable, hurt feelings are inevitable in a family. This happens, right? You spend so much time together. Eventually, this will happen in church life too. But in in family life, you learn how to love each other better. Every time you encounter those things and work through them, you learn how to love better. Well, you can't learn how to love better if you're never brushing up against people closely enough to to break off and, and rub up against your raw edges and your rough spots, right? So even in church life, you want to hang on and 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 live through and endure and press through those difficult, challenging relationships because they are there to refine you, to mature you, and to train you up as a mature believer who can love well. So those are, in short, some key reasons why attending church, corporate church, is different than small church. Small church has its place for breaking bread and for the more intimate discipleship style relationships where you're living life together. But corporate church is equally important. Should it be built around one man? No. But there is leadership that God has chosen and set in place that we need to honor. And when you honor leadership, you receive from leadership. Just like when our kids honor us as parents, flawed in everything, they receive ultimately the benefits. If our kids try to throw us out the, out the window, throw out the baby with the bathwater, they're the ones that suffer because they don't have the covering, the wisdom, the guidance, the protection of parents. We want our children to respond to our authority and our leadership for their sake. And that's the same thing that God has done with the church. Let's move on to how do I know when it's time for me to leave my church, what are some indicators that transition is coming? Now, I know a lot of people, this gets touchy because we kind of picture two extremes. We kind of either think, I've got to be in this church forever for my life. This is the church I grew up in. This is the church I'm going to stay in. Or on the other end of the spectrum, people who move around churches all the time, church hoppers, we're like, "Uh, that's not healthy either. And for some reason in our brains, we think we have to be part of one camp or the other. Well, I don't want to be the church hopper. So then surely I must have to be in church forever and ever. Guys, there is a season for everything under the sun. (laughs) And so Ecclesiastes. And so there will likely be times in your life, maybe, when you transition churches. Now, should it be a normal, regular, frequent occurrence? No, not unless you're physically having to move like from state to state or something like that. 
the longer you can be planted in a church, the better it is for you. You build relationships there. You can get your roots down deep and build trust. So then you can start to use your gifts and serve within the church and then develop your giftings and your spiritual callings. Um, you develop relationships with the leadership so you can pull on them more as far as like gleaning from them spiritually and discipleship. And so there are benefits from being deeply rooted in a church. And the longer you're in a church, you will go through challenges with the people there. For those of you who have families, you know challenges are inevitable. <laughs> Conflict is inevitable. Misunderstandings, hurt feelings are inevitable. But as families, we understand the need to push through the messiness, work through the messiness, and grow through it and learn how to love each other better. The same thing happens in church. We learn how to love each other better when we go through those messy, difficult moments. Now, because relationships get messy and difficult, that is not your free pass to say, oh, my transition has come. It's time for me to get out of here. <laughs> no, no, no. We will talk about good and bad reasons to leave church in the next episode. But let me just make it clear. There's a difference between a church hopper Christian and an overcommitted Christian in that the church hopper is never willing to put down their roots. The church hopper never quite gets settled, never settles down, never extends trust. Trust is essential. If you can't extend trust to your leaders or to the people around you, you're likely going to end up hopping churches because you're guarded and you don't actually open up enough to get known and pulled into the community and seen and um, building life with people. And that is where the lifeblood of church life is, is building trust and building real, honest, genuine, loving relationships. Church hoppers are never willing to put down roots. So if you're willing to put down roots, but you've had some transitions, you're probably okay. Um, since I've been, now let's see, let me give some examples from my own life. When I was we were missionaries, and so as long as we were in one physical location, we were in one physical church. We didn't hop around. We picked one church, and we stayed there. Um, now, my husband and I have been married for almost 16 years, and we have now been at three churches. For me, that's not a lot of time at each church. The first church, we were there for seven years. Second church, we were there for eight years. And this church, we've been there now for about a year. Now... We were not planning to leave any of them. We saw ourselves long-term in both of those first churches, but we were pastors in both. And we were planning, we're loyal and long-termers, and we planned on staying. The Lord had to move us. The Lord stepped in. The second one, the Lord removed our position, and we needed a job. And we had another one that came open, and it just the Lord was shifting us, and it worked out really great. Um, the first one, there was also things that happened within the church leadership that uh, we were released and, or no, actually we stepped out. We stepped out of both actually now that I think about it. But um, anyways, so, but we stepped out because we saw that the Lord was shifting us. We also stepped out of our college ministry and that one was different. And that brings me to this first point. I want to, this first indicator you might feel that happens when a transition is coming. And this could be for church life. This could be for work. This could be for where you live. This could be for lots of different things. But usually we will experience a restlessness 
a discontentment, not to be confused with offense. It's not an offense. It's discontentment or restlessness where it feels like, ugh, something is just not quite right and I can't put my finger on it. It's usually what it feels like. It usually feels like, ugh, I'm just not satisfied here. You start to get kind of frustrated with your environment, frustrated with the way things are done and you can't Maybe sometimes you can't even put your finger on anything. Just something doesn't feel quite right. Kind of like when you're in high school and you're about to go to college and you're just kind of restless as a senior. They call it senioritis. It's that you feel your transition coming. You feel that you're about to shift into your next season. So you get a little restless as a senior. Okay, literally the same exact thing. When we, we usually, as people, for whatever reason, we can feel transition coming before it arrives. And I think the Lord does that to prepare our hearts for it. Otherwise, if change just happened like boom, it can be kind of traumatizing. And those of you who've gone through sudden changes, you can attest to that, right? And so that restlessness, that frustration can, if we're not careful, nurture offense in our hearts. So you have to be careful to be constantly doing the work of knowing your heart, searching your heart, owning yourself, owning your emotions, and identify what am I frustrated about. For me, I felt frustration in our last church for a long time. Some of it was relational and some of it was not, you know, that we were transitioning. Some of it was just relational. But as that last year that we were there, we began to see ongoing um, where it didn't feel like we fit there anymore. The vision and mandate God has on our life is discipleship. But the vision of that house was not discipleship. It was, we want to reach the city, which is great. We want the city reached too. But just the mandate God has given us is discipleship, mature believers, teach believers how to walk this this overcoming life. And so if we had continued there and continued being true to what's inside of us and pushing for what's inside of us, because that's all we know how to do, we would have naturally begun to create a wedge where there's two visions operating in the house now and you can't have that and so we realized when we started to recognize oh our visions are different we have a vision for this that's on our life the house has a vision for this because the lord shifted that senior pastor he changed the the name of the church and the whole direction of the church because that's where god was leading him and so, yeah, as a, it was very uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie, guys. Transitions are just uncomfortable because it's new territory. You can't usually identify it. It's not, it's not cut and dry. I wish we had like a Google Maps going in our heads like, turn left in three weeks. You are about to leave your church. <laughs> you know, that would have been great. Um, so anyways, that restlessness and that frustration, that feeling of, I don't know that I fit here any longer, usually will be one of the first indicators that things are about to transition. Again, you can have this in your job. You could have it in in some kind of a relationship, whatever. Um, Your job, you can also, another thing that you might feel, you might feel like your job or your commissioning in that place is complete. If you were sent somewhere to start a homeless ministry and you get there and the homeless ministry is flourishing and da-da-da, and then you find yourself starting to feel restless, You might not even feel like your job is complete. Like maybe you're like, these are my vision. This is my goals. This is what I want to do. But if in your heart, there's something that feels like, you know, I really have accomplished the mission, then that might be another indicator that you're about to transition. Another is if opportunity that it seems like God is breathing on 
is presenting itself, that is yet another possible indicator. Now, don't be confused. Don't think because someone comes to you and it's like, hey, I want you to serve at my church because you're so underutilized at yours. Listen, there is an allure of being given authority and power other places. You need to discern what God is on and what God is not on, okay? You have to use your discernment. For us, when we were transitioning out of this last church, all of these were true. We had a restlessness. Um, There was a discontent. We couldn't put our finger on and we really did the work of keeping our hearts in a good place and keeping our hearts healthy and, and making sure we weren't picking up a fence. But we did recognize something doesn't feel right. We feel like there's a change that's coming. And then... I don't know that we felt like our job was complete. I think we still had a lot of vision for that house, but we did start to feel like our vision was not matching the vision of the house any longer. And we, that was creating a little bit of a wrestling inside of us. And then at the same time, there was opportunity that was brought to us. Lots of opportunity, actually. There was churches from around the area that started pulling on us to be like an apostolic council for them to offer um, leadership and direction about how they could bring discipleship into their churches. There was another church in the area um, far enough away that was comfortable distance um, that asked us to come on as executive pastors. And that's where the Lord ended up shifting us. So there was opportunity. So it's not like we left. We didn't leave an offense. We didn't leave with nothing to go to. The Lord was very, um, gracious to provide an open door for us to transition to. And so those are some indicators that you may be, um, about to face down with transition. Now, The next episode, we'll get into bad reasons to leave and good reasons to leave. But let me get into, if you do feel like transition is coming, let's say you really resonate with some of the things I've said. You understand, yes, church is important. It needs to happen. You understand, but I feel like transition is happening. How do I do this? This is what I really, really, really want you guys to hear. Because as a pastor and as a pastor who has many friends who are pastors, I have seen many, many, many pastors hurt, deeply, deeply wounded over people who did not leave in the right way. And when I say right way, I mean there is a right way to do it and there is a not healthy way to do it or a way that's going to hurt people. But unfortunately, I had never heard this taught. I literally never heard this taught. My husband and I just kind of saw in the word, saw in our reading and our learning from other ministers, we learned these principles. And this is what we teach our students because we believe in operating in honor and in a way that is courteous to people. So here's how when it's time to leave, you need to leave. Oh, before I jump into that, one other thing I just thought of that can be an indicator you might need to shift churches. This might come up in the next episode, but I do want to say it in this one. If your spouse is really struggling to connect with your church and they're trying, they're really trying, they're showing up, they're building relationships, or they're trying to, they're coming, they have a receptive heart, but they just cannot connect with this church, That's a good indicator you might need to look for a different church because both of you need to be able to be in a church where it feels like home, where it feels safe, where it feels like you can grow spiritually, where you can connect, where you can flourish. If only one of you feels that way, 
that's an indicator you might need to be looking around for a different church home where both of you can feel comfortable. This oftentimes will be an issue or will come to the surface when you have two single people who are now engaged and getting married. A lot of times that will bring a church change because they want to find a church home that is their home as a couple and not maybe his church home or her church home, right? So that is something I did want to mention. Actually, one of my listeners who's also a supporter was explaining how they shifted churches and that was that was an issue for them that they they ended up finding a wonderful church and, and they're both flourishing there and it's a blessing. And so um, she had brought that to front of mind. Okay, so how to leave when it's time. First and foremost, this is an obvious answer, but very important nonetheless, pray first. Pray regularly, pray consistently, consistently, (laughs) and pray until you receive clear direction from the Lord that brings peace and that you and your spouse are in agreement with over it. Now, agreement doesn't mean you both are seeing and hearing exactly the same thing. It just means what you're seeing and hearing from the Lord cooperates with each other. When my husband and I both transitioned from our first church and our second church, I never felt the Lord say, now it's time to leave. I was relieved to leave in some of those situations. I never felt the Lord actually say, now it's time. However, my husband did feel he got that clear direction. So it didn't bring grief to me. It did not feel like a check. It did not feel wrong. I leaned into and deferred to his authority on the timing in which we left. I deferred to his authority. And so I just want you to be clear, like if you guys are praying, what you're picking up on from the Lord should cooperate. If it's not cooperating, well, the spirit of God does not cause division, people. So you should be hearing something that's cooperative. If, let's say, one of you is hearing more than the other, and the other person that's not hearing as much, if you can defer to what they say because it doesn't throw up red flags or whatever, then just defer to what what that other spouse is picking up on. Agreement is important, though, and both individuals need to feel safe and settled in your church for your church to be a blessing. So pray and get clear direction. Do not move unless you hear from the Lord and there is some kind of confirmation um, that God is speaking to you. And don't be afraid if you feel like you're not sure, you're not hearing anything. Don't be afraid to ask the Lord, like put out a fleece. If you're like, okay, Lord, I need it to be very plain. I need you to write on the wall. Let's put out a fleece. I need this kind of confirmation by such and such time to know this is you. Then do that. There's That's not a lack of faith. And that's not, that's just you asking the Lord to really speak to you because you don't want to miss him. And that's totally great. Okay, step two. This is important. Do not chatter with all your friends about the fact that you're about to leave the church. You guys may have one or two close friends because you have relationships with them and your relationships are affected by you leaving. Understandably, you'll want to tell your closest friends. I get that. Be very careful how you do this and how much you share or how... how um. I guess how many people you share with because if you start chattering a lot, it can become um, divisive. It can become something where your pastor feels like you're now trying to solicit all your friends to leave the church with you. That is damaging. That is dangerous spiritually and relationally. You don't want to do that. 
every person should only leave when they are led of the Lord. We have left uh, two churches now by the leading of the Lord, and we had lots of people that we had discipled, lots of people we poured into, great relationships with many who were very loyal to us, not in an unhealthy way, but because we'd invested in them for years. And when we left both churches, we did not have a following follow us because the people we had discipled knew you don't move unless God tells you. Now, eventually over time, there were a couple families that would trickle over and that was because they felt the Lord leading them. That is what it should look like. It should look like you do not have a caravan of people following you away from the church. That's not how it works. God should be leading you and you should be encouraging your friends that God should lead them. And you should not interfere in that because there should be a fear of the Lord over your heart about messing with where people are planted because God wants people. God plants us specifically in certain churches under specific leadership because he wants to develop certain things in our lives. If you try to pull your friend out of a church where God has planted them into a church he has not called them to, you are um, leading your friend into spiritually dangerous territory, if I can say it really plainly. That's spiritually dangerous. You should love your friend enough to want them to stay exactly where God has put them so that they are spiritually protected and spiritually the grace of God is on them to learn that is where they will flourish. You will flourish and your friends will flourish exactly where God has planted you. So do not chatter with all your friends, especially if you have any reasons for offense or any reasons for hurt feelings, which I should hope you would have worked those out. We don't leave in offense. We leave with grace. Um, but don't chatter with all kinds of people because that will just not turn out well. Um, every person must be led by the Lord. Okay, I think I'm clear on that. Thirdly, third step. So the first step is pray and get clear direction from the Lord. Second step is do not chatter with all your friends. Tell the people you need to tell that you have relationships with. But otherwise, and in those conversations, encourage them. Do not do not leave because we're leaving. We are doing this because the Lord is leading us and that's that. Keep it very, keep it safe. Just keep it safe, right? Just honoring. You don't, we don't want to be a bad influence on our friends and lead them out of what, where maybe the Lord has planted them. Thirdly, third thing is meet with your pastor, both your pastors, meet with your pastors in a spirit of honor. I say pastors, meaning the husband and the wife, because hopefully they're leading together, but meet with your pastors and do it in a spirit of honor, before you leave a church, just like when your kids move out of your house one day, you don't want them to just up and disappear in the middle of the night. That is devastating. You have invested in them their whole life. There is a proper way to leave. You say farewell. You throw a party. You buy them housewarming gifts for wherever they're moving to, right? There's ways to do it right. Same way in the church family. Your pastor, whether you had a close relationship with them or not, your pastor is invested into you spiritually. Every time they prepare a sermon and they are preparing for the people in their congregation, they're praying for them, they're praying for you. Every time they prepare that message, prayerfully, they are preparing it for you. And so they are invested. And if you just up and leave... It is one of the most hurtful, dishonoring things for a pastor to experience. Not because we think we hung your moon, but simply because we're invested. There is a spiritual umbilical cord of sorts, and it just is jarring 
and extremely hurtful for a pastor to have someone just pick up and disappear, especially the more of a relationship that you have with that pastor. Okay, so set up a meeting with your pastor and let them know that you're feeling led to leave. Now, there's a couple things that can happen in a meeting with your pastor. All pastors respond differently. You can be prepared for your pastor to say, don't leave. A lot of pastors will say that because most pastors want to keep the people that are in their church at their church. Now, a healthy pastor will say, you know what? I'm going to trust your hearing of the Lord and I'm going to defer that decision to you. But whatever you decide to do, I'm going to bless you because I love you and I want to see you flourish wherever the Lord leads you. A healthy pastor will have a hands-off approach and will really defer to you. That's the approach that my husband and I try to take because no matter how well-intentioned this pastor may be, maybe they do feel like you're being drawn out in a fence. Maybe they do feel like you're being seduced to another place or whatever. I've never seen it go well when someone feels led to leave a church and the pastor tries to hold on to them. I've never seen it go well. It almost always comes back on that pastor as being controlling or whatever, whether they meant to or not. That's just always how it ends up feeling to that person that's trying to leave. So a healthy pastor, a healthy leader will say, you know what? I'm going to defer to your hearing of the Lord's voice. He speaks to you and I trust that you hear him. And I'm just going to pray that the Lord blesses you wherever he leads you. And that is what a healthy pastor needs to do. So be prepared for either response. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Um, But when you're in that meeting, you need to know in your heart what God has asked of you. If you're unsure what God is asking of you and you go sit down with your pastor hoping that they'll talk you into leaving the church, it's probably not going to (laughs) happen. If you're unsure and you sit down with your pastor, they're going to get you to stay at their church because, of course, they want to protect you. They don't want you wandering off into nothing, right? So you need to have heard it clearly from the Lord before you have that meeting. When you have that meeting, go in with a spirit of honor. Let them know what you feel like the Lord is saying to you. And do not take an attitude of blame. Do not blame your pastor for your discontentment. Now, that's not to say your pastor doesn't have a role in it. I have had to write a letter, actually even recently, to a leader that I had that I never got closure in the relationship and I left in a spirit of honor, absolutely maintained honor, but I felt like the Lord kept asking me to share what my experience was and and kind of release that to them and let them know I love them and and whatever because I believed they had had some wrong beliefs based on whatever. It doesn't really matter. But anyways, there may be times when you do need to address the point I'm making, that you do need to address conflicts that might have been there or relationship hiccups that might have been there. But when you're going to look for a release from their church, you do not want to go in pointing the finger, blaming. That's not the time for that conversation. That's not. That this is your final conversation. If you're going in to say we're leaving, you should have already had meetings and conversations to work out any relationship issues. Those should have already happened because they should happen when the conflicts happen. You should be working out the relationship as you need to. When you're leaving the church, you should be able to leave in a spirit of honor without blaming, without accusing. The Bible says that you will be led forth in joy and you'll go out with peace. Or you'll go out with joy and you'll be led forth in peace. Um, the, my goal and my priority whenever we transition is I never want to leave in turmoil. 
even when we came to this last church, I said, Lord, when you transition us out of this church, I ask that it will be covered in peace. I do not want turmoil in our transition. And the Lord was so gracious. He gave us like a 10-month sabbatical to kind of gently phase out of people's lives before he ended up transitioning out of the church. It was the most gentle thing that I could have asked for. And the Lord saw that and he honored it because I want my transitions to be in peace, right? So don't go in with a finger pointing attitude, go in having resolved all of the, any kind of offenses you might've had, resolve it ahead of time and go in with a spirit of honor. God weighs our words and he weighs our attitudes and the way that we leave one season is how we will begin the next. Hear that. The way you leave one season or one church is how you begin the next. If you leave one church with offense, with word curses, that you speak out of frustration and judgment and accusation, God is paying attention and you are sowing seed for your next season. I have seen where if people leave wrong, it's like the favor of God is halted on their life until they make it right. And they will have difficulty in their next season until they go back and reconcile what they did wrong. Just like if my kids get in a fight and then they want to go off like, mom, can you take me to the store? I'll say, no, you go back in that house and you apologize to your brother. You make it right. I am not pulling this car out of this driveway until there is peace between you and your brother. The Lord is kind of the same way. It matters to him. And so the way you leave one season is the way you will enter one season, not just practically, but spiritually. What you sow spiritually, you will reap spiritually. God will make sure of it because he is just. And I love that about him. (laughs) It's good accountability. And so be led forth in joy and go out in peace. This should be your goal in transitions. Remember this. Forgive me, my throat is getting very dry. (coughs) Your pastor, your pastor is a person. They are not a tool, okay? A lot of times people treat their pastors wrong when they relate to their pastor just purely for their function. And when they feel that they don't need their pastor anymore because they're transitioning or they found something shinier and fancier, They then discard their pastor like an old shoe. Listen, your pastor is a person. A person who has probably sweated and cried and fasted and stayed up late hours preparing messages to build you spiritually, um, going to hospitals to comfort you. Your pastor is a person who is living out one of the most stressful jobs known to humankind. In fact, little fun fact, they say the third most stressful job in the United States is being a pastor. The first being president of the United States, the second being heart surgeon or brain surgeon, I think, brain surgeon. And then the third being a pastor. Your pastors pay a price that you will never, 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 ever know unless you actually serve in that place. When you leave, the least you can do is leave honoring all that they invested into you. Even if they were the worst pastor ever, out of the principle of honor, because you honor the Lord and you honor the office that they held, you honor that office, even if they were the worst pastor ever. And listen, 
I have had challenges with pastors in the past because they're human. And you know what? It is not my place to stand and judge. It is my place to extend honor for what they did do. And I tried to always put my focus on what they did do that was a blessing and what I loved and honored about them because frankly, I want to be an honorable person and I treat people with honor because I am honorable, right? So you need to treat your pastor with honor because you are honorable. Treat them like you'd want to be treated. They feel invested in you. You need to honor that. Their labor, their oversight, they paid a price. In fact, the Bible says that the teachers of the word are worthy of double honor (coughs) because they will be held accountable to a higher standard. Okay, so the fourth step, first one is pray, get clear direction. Second one is don't chitter chatter with all of your friends. Don't create any like divisions or don't create a following to leave the church in a conga line. And then the third one is meet with your pastor, having worked out all conflicts ahead of time. Meet with your pastor so you can do it in honor. You are not blaming him for your leaving. Please do not do that. Leave in a spirit of honor, honoring all that he has done on your behalf, all all that she has done on your behalf. The fourth step and final step, once you have left, and this is just me from experience and wisdom, I just have recognized this pattern and this is just me offering wisdom as an older sister. Once you have left the church, (coughs) do not fall into the trap of new versus old, shiny versus worn out. Do not get into the trap of my new church is so much better than my old church. Don't get on Facebook and be like, oh my gosh, I just love this church is so amazing, so much better than my old church, which most people are not that direct about it. Usually it's kind of a passive aggressive thing. Be sensitive. If you've just transitioned, Take a little time before you get online and are like, oh my gosh, my new church is amazing because you know, it might feel a little bit like a passive aggressive jab to the church that you just left. That's just personal preference. Um, I don't know that, I mean, that's probably generally 111 that says that. Um, That's just a personal preference. I think it's using discretion and using love and courtesy to be careful with that. It is not your new church versus your old church. It's not like your husband is suddenly the best thing ever and your dad is old hat. Listen, both men played a significant role in your life. Honor your father for what he poured into you. Honor your husband for what he is in your life now. Honor the pastor who raised you. Honor the pastor who poured into you and brought you to where you are now. And honor the pastor who is the overseer of your next season. Honor both. I don't, I don't think, sometimes I've seen this where like someone will go from Baptist to spirit filled and, or maybe they're like grew up in church of Christ and then they go over to assemblies or whatever. And then they, they somehow feel like it's this competition or this comparison thing where like, oh, this one is so much better than my other one. That's not necessary. We can honor each one for what they contributed to our life. I think that pleases the Lord. I think that is less embarrassing of behavior, to be honest. It's more mature because we should be able to acknowledge what each each person, each season contributed to our life because the fact is, fact of the matter is, if one person in that process of your life didn't do their part, you wouldn't be where you are. You needed that part. You needed that piece of the puzzle, the part they played in your life. You needed it, so honor it, okay? Transitions happen. It's not a default failure. I don't go from one season to the next because someone failed me. I go from one season to the next because I'm growing from glory to glory and the Lord needs me to move sometimes from season to season. 
Um, so there's no reason to cast blame or turn around and point the finger at a past season. Receive your transition, honor yesterday, and you will find greater reward in tomorrow. Receive your transition, honor yesterday, and you'll receive greater reward in tomorrow because tomorrow will be built on the honor foundation that you lay of yesterday. We're talking about honor a lot. I think I'm going to need to record an episode on honor. I have taught on this topic a number of times. It's powerful. It is a game changer. Honor is huge. So anyways, a little commercial. Um, Your words, your attitudes, your judgments will sow seeds into your future season and can hold up your spiritual growth if you're not careful. Sow seeds with your words, your attitudes, and grace that you will want to to reap in your future. I always think about this as a pastor. When I wanted to be critical of my pastor, I stop and I think, you know what? I don't know when I might be in their shoes. How would I want people to respond to me if I was in their shoes, knowing how human I am, knowing the limited knowledge I have, knowing blah, 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 blah. How do I want people to respond to me when I'm having a human moment? When my weaknesses are exposed, how do I want them to cover me in love? That's how I need to cover my pastor. Now listen, here's a comforting word for you. If you have left a church poorly, it's okay. Just go make it right. Go march back in the house and work it out with your brother and then we'll go to the store, okay? (laughs) Just go back to that church, set up a meeting with that pastor because listen, I guarantee you, They will be encouraged, they will be energized, they will be comforted by the fact that you went out of your way to come back and make it right, I guarantee you. Pastors are wounded so frequently by people who discard them and do not treat them with the honor they deserve. Pastors labor in ways you will never ever know. Make it right if you've left poorly No matter what the offense is, if nothing else, just to stand rightly before the Lord, because he says, if you withhold forgiveness from man, your father in heaven will withhold forgiveness from you. Go make those relationships right if you left poorly. Repent to man and repent to God. His kingdom is built on honor and love. Okay, now all of this is said in the context of I know that there will be rare, rare instances that do not fit within these boxes. I know there are rare instances where you'll have a pastor who's toxic, um, abusive, um, power-hungry, manipulative. Unfortunately, those pastors do exist. Thankfully, they're few and far between, but they do exist. If you have a pastor who fits in that category, I want you to understand your number one Solution is you need to create boundaries and possibly get out if your church is is abusive, manipulative, controlling, if they twist scripture to to try to manipulate people's responses, if they um if it's not a safe place where you guys can flourish and grow spiritually, human error will always be a factor. But if generally it is not a safe place and there is more red flags than there are positive features of your church and your leadership, then yes, you need to consider leaving soon. Um, I do not ever endorse people staying in a toxic situation. Uh, and so if, and when I say toxic, I mean like really unhealthy, spiritually abusive, 
um, manipulative, all that kind of stuff, you need to just get out if that's the case. That is a rare case. In general, most situations will fall in the parameters that I described throughout this episode. So that is how I believe those are some indicators that you know that you're about to transition is you'll feel restlessness. You might feel like you're um, restlessness and like, I don't quite fit here. Maybe it feels like your mission there is complete. Maybe there are other opportunities that are arising at the same time. Again, use discernment. You do not want offense to be cloaking itself as a transition season. Always, always, always deal with offense that's in your heart. Own your offense. Seek the Lord. And once you see those little those little indicators and they've gotten on your radar and you're like, hmm, maybe transition is coming. What kind of transition might it be? Then you need to pray. You need to get clear direction from the Lord. Do not chatter once you've made your decision um, that you're realizing the Lord is asking you to leave. Then do not chatter with your friends about it. Talk to the few that you need to, that you have close relationships with. Let them know about your transition that's coming. Do it in a way that honors your pastor. Do it in a way that honors the Lord. Do not solicit a conga line behind you. This is not godly. (laughs) Do not do that. Okay, third step, meet with your pastor in a spirit of honor. You're not blaming your pastor for transition. You're honoring him for the role he played in your life. And the fourth step is, once you have left, do not get sucked into the trap of comparing now to yesterday. Honor yesterday so you can move into tomorrow with blessing and favor. Okay? I hope this was helpful in the next episode. Make sure you come back for it. In the next episode, we will be talking about four great reasons to leave a church and four really bad reasons to leave a church. They're super practical and they're very common. I I looked, I did some research online and found these and, and they're all very common. So come back next week. Otherwise, stay tuned for a very short, simple life hack. Catch you later. Okay, so today's life hack comes from Rosanna Sanchez. She is not only a loyal listener, but she's also a supporter of the podcast. So Rosanna, shout out and thanks for making this recommendation. Rosanna wanted to let you guys know how you can have less frizzy, more shiny hair. And it's a very, very simple little trick. If you go to the store and look for a silk pillowcase, I'm guessing satin can work as well. What that does is it actually keeps the surface of your pillow smooth for your hair so that instead of cotton or microfiber grabbing every single hair on your head when you're turning through the night, silk or satin pillowcases allow your hair to slide, which nurtures shine because it's not irritating your hair all night, and it keeps it from tangling as bad, all the good things. So Rosanna, if you guys have seen her hair, uh, she has great hair. So I think she totally knows what she's talking about. And I'm going to take her up on this recommendation. I'm going to go buy me some satin pillowcases. <laughs> okay, so guys, I want to pull in your life hacks into this segment. I love pulling you guys into these episodes however I can. And you guys are a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. So if you have life hacks that you would love to share with our listeners let me know. In fact, if you listen on Anchor, you can actually leave me a voice message directly in the app. Did you know that? And if you are not on Anchor, but you want to get a message to me, find me on Instagram. If you're not following me, you should be following on Instagram at Java with Jen, one N, 
and you can leave me a direct message or a voice memo over there as well. So I want to hear from you. Let me know your life hacks and otherwise, Rosanna, thank you for this brilliant call out. I am going to make sure to throw it on stories on Instagram as well. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you share this episode with a friend. This is a topic I think every Christian, every believer has had to ask themselves about. So send it to a friend. And otherwise, I love you guys. Thanks so much for the support and for sharing uh, these episodes on social media. That always just makes my heart sing. I love you all. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.